Isn't that awesome? Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> that is just awesome. Well, I want to welcome everybody back to the fifth and final week of our series entitled Real Life Marriage. If you haven't been around here, uh, we've been talking about marriage. Uh, week one, I began right all the way back in the book of Genesis. We're going to touch a little bit of it today as well, uh, that God's original intention. What is God's original intention for marriage? What is God's biblical plan uh, for marriage? Week two, uh, we talked, it was actually Coach Tom Mullins. He did a great job talking about children and legacy and destiny. And then week three, singles. I've had a lot of people over the years ask me about when I'm going to teach on singles. And uh, I trust it was helpful for all the singles. Uh, again, you can get all of our CDs. We give them away free in the foyers of all of our campuses. You can go online and download those as well. And then last week, last week I went out, I stepped out on the edge. I, I hope I didn't get too far. I haven't had any negative comments, only positive. Can I have a big amen? Amen. If you weren't here, I talked about God's design for sex and purity and intimacy uh, in marriage. Today, I'm really excited uh, because I have my beautiful wife, Jennifer, uh, who's going to be team teaching with me. And by the way, this summer, we will have been married 20 years. We're really excited about that. Yay. So really, really fired up. So it's wonderful having you today, honey. Thank you. Well, I've been so looking forward to this moment. Happy Mother's Day. That's right. All the moms. And wasn't that beautiful? Beautiful. I was teary-eyed. But I just wanted to tell you that this is such an important message in all of our lives. It's truly essential. And it just gives me such an honor and a privilege to be able to be with you guys today and to, um, to impart in you what Steve and I have learned over the years. But I want to say one thing about last week's message. It was fantastic. Stephen, you did a great job. Thanks, honey. But if that was at all painful for you in any way, I just want you to know there's help. There's help for you. We're here to help you. And don't ignore it. Don't move past it. God wants every area of your marriage to thrive and be all that you dream it could be. That's right. So there's help for you. You know, one of the things that Jennifer, we talked about it afterwards. She goes, Steve, you know, if that's a painful, we're talking specifically about the sexual intimacy part in marriage. If that's painful for you, uh, don't just compartmentalize right. that and stuff that and put it aside and say, well, well, that's just not, no, no, you, there, there's, there's ways you can access resource. Number one, you can call our office. We do do marriage counseling, yes. uh, uh, not, not super deep counseling in those areas. Uh, we can also recommend as well some great professional counselors yeah. as great godly spirit-filled counselors yes. to be able to help you both men and women uh, and then there's some resources there's some books uh, and I asked them to put this on the PowerPoint the act of marriage uh, this is all about sexual intimacy and in marriage by Tim and Beverly uh, LaHaye it's been a classic for about 30 years uh, intended for pleasure by Ed and Gay Wheat and then the last one this is a real practical book we actually had the Rossbergs come to a marriage thing for us about three or four years ago uh, this is really great it's the 20 25 sex needs of a man and five sex needs of a woman. And uh, it's going to be, I'm sorry. That was last week, honey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just thought I'd clarify that. And so, um, so, so I do, we do want to encourage, and Jennifer and I talked about this, we want to encourage you that there's help that doesn't have to stay a painful part of your marriage forever, okay? So, well, we are excited uh, about doing this together. It's always a risk. There's always a risk when you write a message together and you start talking about it because nobody knows your strengths and your weaknesses like your spouse. 
I mean, nobody knows you like that, right? I mean, you're with them all the time. And Jennifer and I just wanted to start off saying this. We understand that anytime you teach a marriage, there's somehow this, you put people on a pedestal. Oh, look at them. Let me just say this. We are in process. Absolutely. We are all in process. So, so I, I just went, no, listen, I coined the term. I coined the term. I'm not where I want to be. And I'm not where I used to be. And a lot of that is related into to our marriage. And so I, we, just, we just don't want anybody to think that we're up here saying that we're perfect, we're no. in process, but we're getting better. I'm getting better. Please tell the people. He is getting so much better. Thank you, honey. And Thank I'm you. getting better too. I am by no means perfect. Full of faults, but growing. We are imperfect people. And it's just really our prayer that we can just give you some insight into our lives as we've overcome some areas to help empower you to That's overcome right. some areas. Because communication is an essential part to our marriage life and really oneness. Oneness is just key. And that's really what we want to talk about today is how to maintain that oneness in marriage. It's interesting. You know, week one, we talked about this concept of one flesh, which is really, really interesting. You know, God, it's God's idea. Everybody say oneness. Oneness. So, so God's idea, God's design for marriage is this one flesh. What, what does that mean, one flesh? I mean, you're still two individuals, but what does it mean that when in holy matrimony, God puts one man and one woman together in, in one flesh. There's a certain sense, there's a certain power of spirit, soul, and body. There's a blessing of oneness. And that's why I want to start off saying this. The number one strategy of the enemy against your marriage is to divide your oneness. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to Genesis chapter 2, and I want to read verse 18 to 24. I want to just recap, and I want to build out this one flesh concept. It says, and the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper, I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, this is very important. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs. Again, if you weren't here week one, I talked about what does it mean? What is the spiritual significance that he took one of his ribs? Notice, he didn't take one of his feet, one of his heels, so, so, so that he, he could walk on Eve or part of his head that he could lord over, but he, he took one of his ribs so that she would be partner, close to him in life, close to his heart. That's very significant. I don't believe that's just a, a side thing. So he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Next verse. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Last verse. Therefore, here it is. This concept of oneness. Remember, God's design is this supernatural oneness. The enemy's design is to separate. Yes. All right, watch this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become, everybody say it, one flesh. Amen. Two people becoming one flesh. What does that mean? Adam and Eve came together in the covenant of marriage. And they were to reflect this oneness. Here's the problem. Here it is in our culture. We've got what? Two cars, two iPhones. We have two jobs often. We have two careers. We have two things. We have two visions often. And we get busy. How do you live? And here it is. How do you live in oneness when so much of our world has two dynamics to it. Does this make sense? How do you, how do you, so because there's a tendency for all of us to drift 
in the isolation and to live two lives while all the while God says, I want you to be what? Say it. One. one. Reminds me of when you go, we go to Destin every summer. We take a, a family vacation for a week and course we've always had small kids we, we still have us we have 18 to a five-year-old all right and so and so it's interesting when you have the children you know you tell them you know make sure we want to see you we don't want you to drown it's very important to be careful of course you get out there and uh, I get out there we would get little rafts sometimes from cheap little souvenir stores you know and, and you'd blow up the rafts and it's okay there's mom you know and okay there, there she is okay there, there there's the there's the chairs and there's the umbrella okay stay in front of the umbrella is everybody suit okay do you see this okay do you see the umbrella so if you just kind of do off if you're not really paying attention 30 minutes or an hour later you've drifted to Pensacola come on how many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so I mean it's just like how, look watch this you're just like and, and how did that happen I'll tell you how it happened the nature of the ocean causes you to what say it drift and the nature of life whether you realize it or not, causes you in marriage, watch this, don't miss this, to drift apart, to isolate. You don't mean to, I mean, nobody, nobody you know, is at the, you know, the, the, the marriage altar and they're like, this is gonna last a year. Come on, honey, kiss me. I mean, nobody does that. Nobody does that. But what happens is we get busy and we all have a tendency to drift and we drift and we get in our own little isolated worlds. I'll give you one quote. Dennis Rainey, who's phenomenal, he's written so many wonderful things, Family Life Today, here's what he said, the choices you make determine the oneness you enjoy, the choices you make determine the oneness that you enjoy, spirit, soul, and body, the choices that we make, you have to be intentional. He said, isolation is Satan's chief strategy for destroying the oneness in marriage. Perhaps you found yourself busy. Listen, two of everything, that's why we have to fight for this. We have to be intentional. Yes. Isn't that powerful? Absolutely. So the drifting that my husband talked about, that undercurrent, that's just like the busyness of life. It's, it's not intentional. It's, you don't intend to drift apart. It's like you're both working your life to the best of your ability. But just think of all the intentionality that took place in the dating. Huge amount of time, priority. Then you get engaged, the wedding, wow. Enormous amount of time, effort, attention. But once we say I do, it doesn't just drop off from there. Right. We have to maintain intentionality in our marriage because you will develop two worlds, two separate worlds living in one home. And that's not God's plan. It's really one world that's right. so that you guys can be one. So you may be asking, how do we overcome I have found myself there in my marriage. How do we overcome this drifting that separates us, that isolates us? I'm so glad you've asked because we're really going to unpack three key concepts that are going to help you to become better communicators. And it's our prayer. It will help you overcome this feeling of isolation and drifting apart in your marriage. And it's, something. So, it's something that we've, we've had to watch. I mean, we yeah. have four children, responsibilities, pressures. And so here's the thing. We've had to get intentional. It's, and there's really three things. I want to talk to you today about one team. Everybody say one team. One team. I want to talk to you about one heart. Say it. One heart. And then I want to finish up and I want to talk about one fun life. I want to unpack this whole one team concept. Husbands and wives, we need to understand. And this is such a, stra this is, this is such a strategy of the enemy 
all right, this whole drift thing, that we forget that we're on the same team. You got to remember this. Everything in life is suggesting to you that you have your own dream, your own life, your own thing. You're right. But when you said, I do, guess what? You're now on one team. You're on one team. Genesis chapter 2.18. Honey, read that for us because it goes back to that whole concept that you were talking about compatibility. Can you talk about that? It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. I love what Stephen said in our first message when he talked about us being partners in life and we as the spouse, the women, are to help him. You know, just in my life, I'm like, help? Really, that's it? We're just supposed to help? But really, he did such a great job, if you guys remember, just really clarifying help is not a secondary term. It's, it's really so important. It means more complimenting, complimenting one another in such a powerful way. God created for Adam a helper or a helpmate, which speaks of the complimenting relationship, which what he lacks, I provide. And what I lack, he provides. It took us a while to figure that out. It took us a while. Let me say this. Let me be honest. It took me a while for me to figure that out. Is that... It, it, it really is. And Jennifer, she was talking this uh, this whole thing about if two two are better two are better than one when they when they come together. We are better together. Yes, we are better together, guys. We can do so much more together than we could ever do alone. Ever do. There's a synergy that takes a place between a husband and wife that allows you to do supernatural things that you could not accomplish on your own. Just think about it in the natural. When there's unity in the husband and wife, we create children. That's just a picture that's right. of the power of unity in a marriage. And really, that's really step number one is just realizing that, wow, the Lord has put us together for a purpose so much greater than what you could do on your own or hit on his own. That's right. Together, we're better. You know, because one of the things we talked about is instead of competing, yes. we complete. We complement. We work together. Where you're weak, I'm strong, vice versa. It's interesting that scripture in Ecclesiastes, one of Jennifer's favorite scriptures in Ecclesiastes, she's going to read it because it talks about, listen, it talks about in a Christian marriage, the strength of a threefold cord. Can you read that, babe? Two are better than one. Through Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord, threefold cord is not quickly broken. Of course, the th- third person we're speaking of here is Jesus Christ, right. the center, the rock of our marriage. A true team, a great marriage, is built when we realize with the understanding that we are a team. That's the beauty of our oneness. And like Stephen mentioned, there's so much competition sometimes in marriage. Big time, big time. Wait, let, this is, let's pause it. Big time. And, and it's not good. No, we're not there to compete with one another. It's not, okay, you won that one, I won the last one. That's right. It's, we're together to complete one another. Where he's weak, you are strong, and vice versa. And that way you guys can just do amazing things in your lives. Speaking of areas where we're weak and strong, this is just a funny in our lives. That's very classic Robinson. And anyone that knows us very well can attest to this. 
Honey, be honorable, please, of my gifts. You have tremendous gifts, and they will be really highlighted here in exceptional ways that you will all probably understand. So when Steve and I go out, if we ever have a plan to get together with friends or family and go out to dinner, you know, have people in from out of town, he always asks me to pick the restaurant. And that's a good thing, because if it were up to my husband, we would eat Mexican all the time. Hallelujah! Gloria a Dios! And we have some amazing Mexican restaurants in St. Tammany Parish, the Gulf Coast. We know this because there's one nearly on every corner now, is there not? That's right, that's right. Gosh. And they're all packed out. That's right. But for me, I mean, if you're a Mexican restaurant owner, if you love Mexican... Jesus was Mexican, honey, I'm just telling you. No, he was Mexican. <laughs> just... Okay. <laughs> but nonetheless, you threw me off. I'm sorry. <laughs> for Mother's Day, I don't want to eat chips and salsa, chimichangas right. and fajitas. So, but, so that's where I'm strong. I can pick the restaurant, make the reservations. But when we go in, typically my husband's just a few strides behind us because he's wrapping up a phone call. But when we go in, we all just stand around the table waiting for Steve. And my mother-in-law, she's the best, she'll tell you, now don't anyone sit down, because he'll move you. He has a plan for where he wants everyone to sit, and it's so specific. It's so specific, he will actually start pulling tables together after the wait staff has done an amazing job, and even ask a sweet couple, do you guys just mind moving over here? Because, so we're here, and can y'all see him doing this? And, and you know... <laughs> It is, it is quite comical, but we've gotten used to it. However, I will say, he is always the man with the plan. But it has, you know, it has reaped great benefits because, especially when there's people that don't quite know each other very well, you know, if I were in charge of this, we'd probably just sit where we're most comfortable. Well, Stephen has, he has strategy in the placement. And I've seen some amazing connections take place over these dinners that have lasted really for the rest of their lives. So it's, he has an amazing ability to do that, well, I don't. <laughs> Thank you for recognizing my gifts, honey. I appreciate yeah. that. No, it's, we go in a restaurant and say, okay, I know where everybody needs to sit. And the reason why is because it's gotta be intentional, right? And I know I can overdo that and get controlling, but I'm getting better. And so, uh, <laughs> So we have these big parties. Okay, this person right here. And so the point is, is that we're, we've learned to work together. Yes. We've learned. Everybody say one team. One team. It's interesting, this whole concept of voice, because one of the things where I've really struggled uh, early in our marriage is not, watch this, not appreciating, respecting Jennifer's voice. Not, ex not, not appreciating. Well, let me talk about that for a moment. <laughs> slow down, mama. I'm not, I, so... <laughs> Have you guys, I mean, it's, it's pretty popular in our culture to hear the terms, find your voice. Has anyone ever heard that word, find sure. your voice, or that concept? It's really important that we find our voice in our marriage. It's because we have the ability to influence our spouse in a powerful way. And God has placed us divinely in that close connection, that, that close proximity with our spouse physically, emotionally, and spiritually, because we are there to build them up. That's right. We have the ability to do that, and God has given you, if you feel as a spouse, I don't really have what 
I don't really have what it takes to do that. No, you do. That's because good. the Lord has divinely placed that in you. But when we were first married, you know. You can say it, honey. That's fine. You can say whatever you want to say. Just let it rip. I'll never let you do this again, but just let it go. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just this is really good. This is an area that we've really grown. And honey, so I'm really trying to praise you, but you're like so nervous. <laughs> is there something I don't know? No, I'm, go just, ahead. I'm teasing. When we first when we first got married, you know, very often, um, you know, Steve, I would overhear like situations or um, and I would that that we were dealing with whatever. And I would have, you know, some insight. Sometimes I wouldn't. But I would say, honey, what about X, Y, Z? And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he would get on the phone with, you know, Pastor Doug or Pastor Jacob or whomever, and then they would say the exact same thing. And it would be like a new idea. <laughs> I'm like, baby, I told you that. He's like, oh, yeah, I know. But, you know, he hadn't learned to trust me. But you know what, ladies? I had a real decision point to make in, in that point, that time. The enemy would have loved to have seated me against him at that moment. Mm. I, could have, I could have really been embittered. You don't ever listen to me. You know, you only listen to your friends, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't. I had grace with Stephen. I had faith in his growth in Christ. And ladies, we need to have grace with our husbands, truly. Because, because I was enabled to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, truly. As years have gone on, Stephen now comes to me. That's right. Sometimes first. And I don't take that lightly. I take that very seriously. And he'll ask me, what do you think about this? And sometimes I don't know. And you don't always have to have the right answer. You don't always have to, you know, be able to give that quick response. But... Sometimes I do have the That's insight right. Right. into a situation, and then later I'll hear him on the phone with his friends, and he'll say, or whomever, he'll call someone for, for counsel, and they'll say, Jennifer said the exact same thing. Amen. Amen. And that is just... See, that's teamwork. That's right. We're coming together as a team. But it took time, and it took forgiveness and grace on both of our parts to get there. And that's what God wants to do in your marriage as well. You see, if you don't see that, guys, and that's what's so important. So now I include Jennifer, and I know a lot of guys like, well, okay, well, my wife's involved in this area of my life, but these three or four areas, no, 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 I'm just telling you, if you really believe that God has put you all together, and you really believe in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, that God is speaking through spouse, if you really believe that you are there to complement one another and yes. not to compete, yes. then you want to draw upon that. And so I, I really believe that Jennifer and I, one of our strengths that we're growing is this one team, and it's related to honoring one another's voice in the marriage. I want to give you a scripture. This is so important because I want to apply it to marriage. This ought to put the, uh, the, a real sobriety in our hearts. Watch the enemy's strategy. Matthew chapter 13. Watch this. Talking about to, or Matthew chapter 12. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Watch this. Remember what I said. God's plan is for oneness. Everyone say one flesh. One flesh. Again, we're two different people, two personalities, two, two voices, but we strive to be one flesh, spirit, soul, and body. We're working together, one team. What is the enemy's strategy? What is his strategy? If God's strategy is to bring oneness, the enemy's strategy, well, here it is. Here it is. And every city or what, say it, house, 
divided against it, what? Self will not stand. Do you know that when you start picking on your spouse, you're actually working against yourself? Absolutely. You're working against the divine team that God has placed together. It's interesting. We're on the same team. And guys, I want to say this. There's times where, Jen well, like Jennifer said, I've had to say I'm sorry. Here it is. I've drifted. I've been doing my own thing. I've been living my own vision. And I had to just say that. Please forgive me. Please give me grace. Let's start fresh. Everybody just say this. Say, I was wrong. That was hard for some of y'all. Let, let's say it again. Come on, here you go. Say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Very, very important words. Let me just jump to the next one here. All right, everybody say one team. Now let me give you this. Everybody say one heart. One heart. Got about 10 minutes. I'm going to take five minutes on each. You don't want to miss it. It's so powerful. Here's what I'm realizing that we are better together. And when we work together, don't miss this. It opens the door to emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something. There's a whole nother dimension, guys, that we often don't walk in in our marriage, and that is being emotionally connected to our spouse. I love this scripture in Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight, ma'am, sir, husband, wife, listen, when you have insight, you're able to draw water out. You're able to draw. What are you able to do? You're able to draw out of your spouse. How do you feel? It's one thing getting the facts of the day. It's one thing. How was your day? Good, fine. You know, I mean, that's, that, that's right. Before, before we get married, remember, how are you doing? Oh, it's so wonderful. Oh gosh. You know, when you fall asleep on the night and eh, 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 the phone, you remember when the phone's you, and then you get married, you go mute. Too much emotional energy, Pastor. Talk to that woman. My God. I mean, she just needs to do something else. She needs to just go, you know. I mean, here's, here's the deal. Guys, listen to me. The way to the heart of your spouse is through communication, and in the heart is emotion. It takes energy. Don't get scared, guys. I've had guys tell me, Pastor, it's too much emotional energy to talk to my wife. Guys, let me tell you something. It takes wisdom and insight to draw out. I'm learning how to ask questions to draw out of my wife's heart. Emotional communication. Emotional communication really comes alive when we can be transparent and really express how we feel. You know, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm angry. I felt overlooked, rejected. I'm excited, happy. This is great. Don't be afraid to praise your husband. This was awesome. Great idea, honey. I'm having a blast. And so that, but sometimes it's easier for us to express our thoughts than it is to express our feelings or ideas. Okay, stop. That's important. It's easier, listen, specifically for the men, it's often easier to express your thoughts more than your feelings. Now, this is an important point of connection. Drifting, when you drift apart, it starts with your schedules and your lives but the first thing that disconnects is your emotional connection. I'm telling you, 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 you and you feel it when you're, when you're not connected. Oh gosh, you so feel it. Because remember, God has intended you guys to be together, oneness. Right. And when there's a drifting, you are one flesh. There's, there is a tearing spiritually and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so, and remember, going back to the, forgive me, I'm kind of going back to the competition part of marriage, you know, we're there to complete one another, not to compete one another. Remember, 
If you win in your marriage, you've not won at all. Winning alone in marriage is not winning at all. That's right. Does that make sense? That's good. That's yeah. good. That is good. Because a house divided will not stand. Honey, can I say one of the things that's, that's risky? It's risky to open up emotionally, though. It is. It's so risky to open up emotionally. And the reason why people hesitate to do so is because they're afraid they won't be validated. Their, um, their feelings won't be validated. Like, for example, if um, you know, a wife may say, you know, honey, I've, not, I've been feeling depressed lately or discouraged or frustrated, and the husband may you know, pipe back with, well, how could you feel that way? I just bought you a... New Honda van, a minivan. <laughs> how could you be depressed? You have a minivan. You can go anywhere you want. Honestly, <laughs> y'all are laughing. When we first got married... I actually said that. That's why it's so funny. <laughs> but I'm not where I used to be. That's right. <laughs> Come on. That's right. He's I like... Gotta... <laughs> He's like, honey, what more could you want? You have three children, a van, you go anywhere you want. <laughs> no. It was, it, we, it was, he was being a little bit funny, but nonetheless, we've grown so much. I want to talk about the risk for a moment, then I'm going to give you the last point. The reason why it's risky, the reason why it's risky, guys, if you ask your spouse a question, here it is, all right? Not, how was your day? Good, bad. No, no, no. Ask an open-ended emotional yes. question. Here it is. Not this is this is this is dangerous, guys. And I'm learning how to do this. I'm getting better. Tell me how you feel. If you say that, all things are possible. I mean, literally. But 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 if you say that, and I'm learning to say so, to, honey, tell me how you feel. So, so I'm opening something that's not a yes, no, it's open-ended. Everybody say open-ended. Open-ended. But I'm going deeper there. I've not always been good at this, but I'm getting better. So now she's got a whole landscape to be able to run on. She's, and, 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 and any, 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 anything could happen <laughs> in the name of Jesus. But, but ladies, listen. So after this um, message, you know, it's our prayer that your husband will if this is not something that's, you know, consistently being, um, you know, exercised in your marriage, that your husband is, after much prayer and, and courage, he's going to come to you and he's going to ask you, so how do you feel? Wh wh how do you feel about that? That's not the moment for us to say with a sassy attitude, well, I am so glad you asked. Let me tell you. Yes. No. Can you say that again, honey, please, for, on behalf of all the men? I know. <laughs> Ladies, come on, have grace with your husbands, truly. He's in process, just like us. It's great. And so just be gracious with him and thank him and praise him for, for having the courage to do so. And, and the more you do that, it's, you know, it's like a turtle sticks his head out. If you whack him on the head, it's not going to come back out. We want, we want our husbands to come out of our shells. I love it. Honey, the men are so excited. Last week, we told the women to have sex with their husbands. This week, we're saying to be nice to their husband. This is amazing. I tell you, I'm, I'm going to join this church. All right, so <laughs> let me give you all one more thing. Here, here, here it is. You guys ready? Here it is. All right, everybody say one team, one heart, 
One heart. One fun life. One fun life. Here, here's the thing. I'm going to make a statement. I believe that we need to be intentional and work at having fun together. It almost sounds like a, like a, uh, it's a praise God. All right, let me go a step further. All right. That means we've got to be intentional. All right. Remember when you're dating, it's fun. It's exciting. We're talking about drifting, not drifting, staying together. Oneness. Remember you're dating. It's fun. It's hanging out. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Oh, it's so fun. Let's go. Then you get married. And then it's these two cell phones, two lives, two visions, two cars, two, two this, children, two everything. Three children. Okay. So, but here's the point. Here's what, that's why we have to work at having fun. And, and I want to say this, honey, you may want to elaborate, but I think it's important for the wife to be willing to get into the husband's world oh sometimes gosh, yes. with hobbies and interests. And I think for the husband, to get into the wives as well, to go back and forth. So I think that's one of the things that we well, need to be the work, to. The work aspect, when he says to work at it, the work aspect is getting it on the calendar. It's prioritizing it, finding the time. Because, you know, the children, and, and children are a blessing from the Lord by all means, but we cannot have every activity in our lives centered around the children. Right. You have to have some activities in your lives with just the two of you. Truly, just the, just the two of you. And so the, the work is just prioritizing your spouse and doing what they enjoy and getting into each other's world. I have a good friend of mine. She is the girliest girl you will ever meet. And her husband likes to hunt. Well, guess what she learned to do? Hunt. Praise God. I so Can I have a witness? <laughs> I was like, that is fantastic. What an amazing example for all of us. And, and you know what, and guys too, get into our world. You know, if she likes to garden or play tennis, learn how to play tennis, golf, garden, or something you may, I, there has to be some activities you enjoy together. Right. What did you do when you were dating? There has to be some activities. I mean, ride a bike, go bike riding, just have fun, do something new. I know some couples that have like trained for a triathlon together. That's amazing. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Again, no. taking a walk at the lakefront, whatever it is. Here's the point. And Jennifer brought up a good point. Again, we have four children, and we know the business of that. And, uh, and I think one of the things that I'm really growing in, and I'm learning to be more and more intentional, because cause she, here's the thing. One day, all the kids are going to be grown up and gone. And then you, you don't want to look at it and go, who are you? Right. Does that make sense? In other words, we still need to date our spouse even after we say, I do. Can I have a big amen right amen. there? Is that, is that? Amen. So, so let me give you this last thing. We need to laugh together. The Bible talks about that. We need to laugh. A merry heart, Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Laughing, watching funny things, doing stuff together, having fun. American psychological. Laughing at each other. Yeah, laughing la at yourselves. I, I wrote this down. The American Psychological Association says humor is a vital component of a healthy marriage. So we got to laugh together. Let me give you another one. Traveling together. Again, maybe it's not, maybe you can't, don't have the resource to get on a plane. Maybe it's driving to the Gulf Coast or going yeah. to New Orleans or what. In other words, just being intentional, doing things together. Date nights, date lunches, and just whatever it is to continue to build. Here it is. Oneness. Spirit. Everybody say spirit, soul, and body. Again, what happens, guys, is we want to make sure that she still connects on the third dimension, body, but oftentimes we're not putting God first, spirit, and we disconnect soul, emotion. We disconnect in that realm. Let me give you this quote and then we'll close. 
Jimmy Evans, by the way, who's just a phenomenal teacher on, I think it's, uh, he does uh, fa another family show. He's Jimmy Evans. You can Google him. He is fantastic. Mm -hmm. We did a simulcast to him a couple years ago, and here's what he said. I'll close with this. The journey of healing in marriage is a road, not a couch. You don't just sit there and get better. Great marriages are never made by two compatible, perfectly compatible people who don't have problems. Great marriages are always made by two people who have a lot of really tough issues that they face together. Yeah. Now watch this. You get on that road and you learn how to resolve issues. Remember what I said a couple weeks ago? Listen, no conflict in a marriage, somebody's hiding. You have, to have, you have two voices, but you're working together. You're not working, listen, against one another, you're working with one another. But there are two voices on one team. So you just remember that. So you're learning how to resolve issues, meet each other's needs, prefer one another, respect one another. And as you grow, you'll grow through the fires and trials of life. Watch this. You learn to do that and marriage gets better and better and better over time. Amen. It does. How many of y'all believe that God can do a new thing in your marriage and he can get better tomorrow Amen. than it even is today? Why don't you come on out here? Let's walk. I'm going to ask all the husbands and wives to go ahead and stand right now. We're going to pray. And we're, gonna, we're just going to pray and believe God. Here's what I know. Watch, watch this, you guys. God only needs a crack in your heart. That's all he needs. I'm going to ask you to hold hands. All things are possible to him or who believes. God can do a miracle. I, I started off week one. I know that some of you guys, and some of you may be on the, on the, on the edge. I'm believing God that through this series, Amen. through the power of the Holy Spirit, and even through this prayer, that something is going to start in you. Something's going to start in you today that won't stop. Amen. That there's going to be a new level of intimacy and grace. Again, Jennifer and I are growing. And how I many you know this week when Pastor Steve and Jennifer were doing this together, I was a really good husband. I mean, <laughs> let me tell you something. It was good for me to hear it over and over because nobody intentionally drifts. It just happens. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray for every marriage in this church. Lord Jesus, I'm just asking right now for your grace. I'm asking for your favor. I'm asking for your healing presence. Lord, I'm asking for spiritual connection. Jesus, that you'd be Lord of each one of our lives. And I want to just say to you, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, the very first step of having the marriage that you and desire to have is that, that scripture in Ecclesiastes, a threefold cord. It's you, it's your spouse, and it's God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. When Jesus is first in your life, in your marriage, I'm telling you, that's, that's the step. That's the road to take. Holy Spirit, I pray if there's bitterness, if there's hurt, that Lord, that, let this message be the beginning of forgiveness, of healing, restoration. We've all blown it, God. We've all made mistakes. We've all said things we shouldn't have said. We've done things we shouldn't have done. I thank you that you don't throw us away. God, give us the grace, like Jennifer said, to be graceful with our spouses. Lord, I, I pray you'd give us the grace to forgive one another, to walk in humility. Lord, Church of the King has known about a lot of things in this community, generous and a lot of outreach and helping people. Lord, let this be a church as well that's known with strong, godly marriages. Amen. People that don't pretend, they don't play games. We're honest with God and one another. But we are people on a journey of growing stronger and stronger in our marriages. Jesus, we love you. We put you first. We honor you. And we thank you. Bless these marriages, Lord, we pray. I'm going to ask everybody else to stand. 
on this Mother's Day weekend. Father, bless your people as they go forth this day. I pray for the grace of God. I claim the promise in Psalms 512 that the favor and the blessing of God would surround every man, woman, boy, and girl. And those moms today, God, we bless our moms. In the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, we give the Lord a hand. We love you guys. We love you guys.